Hello and welcome to mini episode 154 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have four spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from the 15th of November 2021. And story number one comes from Adam. My girlfriend Jay and I had moved apartments for years and forwarded countless pieces of mail belonging to the previous tenants. Another AARP membership for Miss Betsy sat upon a pile of ads and credit card applications. I would take the mail in, write moved on the envelope and return it to the outgoing mail. Doesn't everyone? This move had been especially rough on Jay as it was our first move out of our small college town. I had accepted a job in the city. Jay left her part-time boutique job in hopes of finding something better once we'd settled in. I placed the mail on the breakfast bar and sat next to Jay on the couch. Her depression was growing more concerning as the weeks went by. I would be at work all day while she sat around the apartment waiting for any response to her numerous job applications. End of day outings became a daily routine, just to give us an excuse to get out. We'd go to the bookstore, have dinner at the food court, at the mall, whatever just to get us out and moving. I felt anxious being in the small one-bed, one-bath. She felt anxious being out in public. Her confidence was wrecked, feeling everyone was looking down on her. This last move put us in a rough place emotionally and romantically. Jay would stay up much later. I would ask her if she'd like to sleep in the bed with me, and she would opt to stay up watching television and browse Reddit on her phone. Falling asleep on the couch had become the norm for her. After another day at the studio dealing with inappropriate workplace behaviours, egos of megalomaniacs and a 90-minute commute, I plopped down on the couch next to Jay with a fistful of mail for Miss Betsy. More mail for Miss Betsy. Glad someone is getting a response, Jay said. Still no follow-ups. It's okay, it's only been a few weeks. You're not looking just for a job. You want your first big girl job and that takes more time. I know that, it's just... What? Okay, this is going to sound weird, but do you ever feel, I don't know, watched in this apartment or something, Jay asked. What do you mean, like cameras? I actually knew exactly what she meant, but I wanted to see if her experiences aligned with the tense, vague feeling I'd been experiencing. Like when someone is standing silently looking over your shoulder, their cheek coming ever closer to rubbing yours. I'm home all day and night. And sometimes I have this uneasy feeling like someone is here watching me. I sound crazy, Jay said. I tried to be reassuring and told her that I get that feeling, but would explain it away with stress and nerves, maybe even black mould. I did have one total admission for her, though. The bedroom closet. I don't like the bedroom closet, I confessed. Oh my God, you feel weird about it too. There was something up with that walk-in closet. It held all the stuff you'd expect. Lit by a single pull-string light bulb. You'd walk in to grab a button-up or shoes and you couldn't escape the instant feeling of dread. Once, we gave a friend a tour of our new apartment, stopping at the large closet. Without being prompted, she walked in and her shoulders immediately shot up. Oh man, what is up with your closet? It definitely has a not-good feeling, she said. I don't like it at all. Her experience was validating for us. We started referring to the feelings as Miss Betsy. As the months went on, Jay started complaining about a disembodied shadow looming over the back of the couch while she slept. She would wake up and feel its presence, 
maybe catch a glimpse out of the corner of her eye. Too frightened to roll over and face the dark figure, she would cringe hoping it would lose interest and go away. Though it pains my sceptical self to admit, I too felt exposed. Namely in the shower. It felt as though someone was waiting for me on the other side of the curtain, or right outside the bathroom door. I fought to stay awake at night staring into the open closet, waiting for something or someone to step out from the shadows. Sure, I could have shut the door, but that felt like I was strengthening my belief in it, giving power to a tulpa or something. Best to keep our heads down and power through the next couple of months. We were thrilled when our lease was up. Moving expenses being what they are, we opted to renew within the complex but in a different building. We asked the leasing agents if anyone had died in our apartment. And of course this lit their eyes up. What? No. Not that we know of. Why do you ask? They said. You're five or right? The manager asked. I remember the previous tenant put down that they felt uneasy in the apartment on their move-out notice, like they were being watched. How crazy is that? We regaled the staff with our odd little happenings. The agents were equal parts concerned and entertained. They now refer to Five Or as Miss Betsy's apartment. A few weeks went by in the new building, only a few yards away from the last. Jay was in a better mind space. She had landed a job and spent less time in the apartment. I was feeling more social and started working out at the complex gym, getting into the best shape of my life. We even started sharing a bed at night. Have you seen my Starfleet necklace? I haven't seen it since the move, Jay said as I was folding the laundry. No, everything's been unpacked and put away. I don't remember coming across it. I opened the linen closet to put some sheets away. There, at eye level, dangled Jay's necklace. The chain pinched from between two towels. There was no way either of us could have missed it. We'd been there for weeks and opened that closet door dozens of times. It felt like a message from Miss Betsy that she would be checking in on us. I know I said last time that when I died I wanted to become like a sparkly rainbow vision. But rather I think when I die I want to be a ghost like Miss Betsy that just sort of watches, reminds you that they're there, maybe makes a noise every now and then, makes you feel a bit uncomfortable. That's what I want to do. It's very interesting that the previous tenants in the same apartment had the same feelings. I'd love if you were able to sit down and have a conversation with them and be like, what did you feel? Where did you feel it in the house? What did you think of the closet, for example? It'd be great to have that kind of cross-referencing for the potential haunting of the house. And story number two comes from Livia. I've sent a story in and realised that I left out a lot of pretty creepy stuff. As I've said before, my name is Livia. I'm 13 and empathic. A lot of these stories are fairly recent. This happened about a month or two ago when I was sleeping. My bedroom is square and has a window facing east, and my door is facing west, next to my creepy freaking closet. My bed is next to the window left of it. Above my bed, there are some shelves nailed into the wall. On these shelves, there are plenty of old antiques. I'd woken up from my sleep like I often do nightly. I don't know why I do this, but I do. I was very dazed when I started to hear a music box playing above me. Now I mentioned that I have a lot of antiques above me on the shelf. For those who somehow aren't putting two and two together, I have an old music box up there. The music was exactly the same as that music box. 
I screamed after looking at it for a second. My mom came rushing in and asked me what was wrong and I was bawling. I could not articulate my words and eventually fell asleep with my mom. For a while, I thought that it was sleep paralysis and just recently remembered that I had sat up and I had moved. Another experience that I had when I was little was when I was trying to sleep but I couldn't stop looking at my closet. Like I said, that creepy freaking closet. What I eventually saw was a shadow darting across my room. Again, I screamed. I have one more story that I can recall for you. I had just had my friend over for a sleepover and was about to sleep. When all of a sudden, I just couldn't sleep in there anymore. The next morning, I went into my room and it was freezing cold. There was just dread surrounding me. I immediately smudged my room and it completely dissipated. These are the stories that I can remember. I believe you are given a choice when you are a child to see ghosts, feel ghosts or have nothing to do with them. For instance, if you see a ghost when you are a young child and you scream and are absolutely terrified of it, you most likely won't see them as much or feel them or nothing. I hope you enjoy this. Livia, I am dying to know what other antiques are on your shelves. Obviously, we've got an antique music box, which is clearly haunted. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but your antique box is haunted. And I'm dying to know what else there was on your shelves or is on your shelves. Do you still have the antique music box in your room? That is what I would like to know, because I don't know if I could keep it in there after it made a noise and freaked me out at night time. I think I'd have to get rid of it or at least move it somewhere else. But then you'd probably still hear it. And I'll just fling it into oblivion, I think, if it was making noise in the middle of the night. And story number three comes from Blake. My story isn't really a big incident that happened. It's lots of little shit that makes me truly believe that my mom's house is haunted. This all took place at my mum's place in New South Wales, Australia, in a house built by a builder previous owner. So to my knowledge, the house isn't that old and nothing hectic happened there. But we had our fair share of what I believe to be paranormal activity. It is a four-bedroomed house that at the time housed my mum and dad, my sister and I. My room was at the very front of the house along with the lounge room. Then down the hall from my room was the study and my sister's room and the other end of the house, the kitchen and my parents' room. The first thing I experienced was hearing footsteps on the front deck. The front deck wrapped around the whole front of the house, so right in front of my bedroom. And if you were to crawl out my bedroom window, you would be on the front deck. When I started to hear footsteps at night time, I didn't really think much of it. But as it happened more often, I started to think about it. And I couldn't explain it. Everyone in the house would be asleep. Our two dogs were locked away at night time, so they don't hurt any wildlife. And we were a good five acres away from any neighbours but you would distinctively hear the first step to the deck, which was loose, so it made a really distinct sound when someone stepped on it. It was different than when our dogs did it, and not many other animals in the area were heavy enough to make the sound like when a person stepped on it. So it would always be late at night, around midnight, I would hear someone hit that first step, and that big clunk noise, and then the next step, and then the last one onto the deck, and then the steps all the way across the deck. I heard this fairly often, a few times getting up and looking out the curtains to see nothing, and sometimes my dad would still be watching TV in the lounge room. I would go and tell him and he would go outside and look, but always said there was nothing. 
The next thing that always happened, and still does to this day, was a feeling of always being watched. So many times you would feel like you were being watched, and a few times when I would turn around, I would swear I would see something out of the corner of my eye, but never actually fully see something, and everyone in my family have said that they have had that happen to them. The biggest experience that happened was by far the scariest. It happened one night after dinner. It was around 6pm, but it was daylight savings at the time, so it was still light out. I was packing away the leftovers in the kitchen, and my mum and her partner went outside. My sister was in her room, leaving me to clean up. I was just about to finish up, when out of the corner of my eye I saw a shadow figure standing on the other side of the bench, half hidden around the corner next to the door out to the patio. Frozen in fear, not willing to look to the left at all, I called for my sister. She said that she heard the fear in my voice, making her come running. She ran past where she would have seen this figure clear as day, came into the kitchen, and I realised it was gone. I tried to tell her what happened. I told her I saw someone standing right there, and as I pointed... We both looked to see the dog's leads that were hanging on the key hanger next to the patio door sticking out horizontally like someone was pulling on them. Once we both recognised what was happening, the leads fell back down swinging till they came back to a complete stop and sat normally like nothing happened. My sister and I were freaking out. We both grabbed a knife each and we ran outside to tell our mum, telling her what we saw. My sister didn't see the shadow thing but saw the dog leads, sending our mum's partner in to check the house for any intruders. Me and my sister refused to go back into the house for a few hours, until our mum convinced us to go back in and to sleep in my sister's room. She still didn't really believe us, and it was pretty quickly forgotten about, but I don't think I will ever forget it. The significant thing that happened is kind of wholesome, but it still scares me. My mum's granddad was very sick and in hospital more than three hours away in another city. My mum wasn't able to go and see him and she was obviously very upset and crying in the lounge room. She was praying that he passed pain-free and in his sleep. Moments later, after she finished praying, the rocking recliner seat rocked, causing a football to fall off and roll to my mum's feet. That football was given to me by my mum's granddad and it was branded of his favourite AFL team, the Brisbane Lions. About 30 minutes later, my mum got the call to say that her granddad had passed in his sleep, and I can't help but think that he caused that chair to rock to show my mum that he was alright and it was all okay. Lots of weird shit happened in that house, and a lot could probably be explained, but I strongly believe that it is haunted. My sister and my mum burned sage in that house multiple times. I don't think it did anything but I haven't seen the shadow man again. A lot of negative things have happened in that house, so I can't help but think that it's all tied and the negativity almost attracts it or something. I don't know, but all I do know is fuck that shit. I still try everything in my power to avoid going there because I hate it so much and I don't believe whatever it was is gone. Sorry, but what the heck was going on with those dog leads? So you are telling me that those dog leads were hanging on a hook by the door, just normally, as dog leads would be. And then you you and your sister look up and they're sticking straight out like somebody's pulling on them. And that shape is obviously held for a while and then they were dropped and swung until they 
stopped. That is weird. I don't know how you'd explain that. Because a draft would surely make them like flutter or swing back and forth. They wouldn't be held taut and then let go. That is honestly one of the strangest things that I've heard in a very long time. I know there's shadow people, footsteps, etc. in that story too. But that bit about the leads, that is that is so strange. I don't even know how you would scientifically, in terms of physics, like how would you explain that? I really, I really don't know what to make of that. That is so bizarre. And I love that you and your sister's first instinct was to grab a knife. That shadow man was not going to get out of that kitchen alive, for sure. Those leads were also not going to get out of that kitchen alive, doubly for sure. And I love the story about your mum's granddad. I think that is incredibly sweet. Not that he died. Obviously, that is very sad and very traumatic for anybody to go through that. But the fact that he rocked the chair so that the ball would fall to her feet, like that's lovely. I love stories like that. They make me really happy to think that in death, you have the capacity somehow, in ways that we don't understand, to come back and let people know that you're going to be okay. And story number four comes from Gary. This ghost sighting took place in around 1990 in Leeds in Yorkshire in England. It might not be particularly scary, but it is true. The builders' merchants where the sighting took place is located next to an old sandstone quarry that the Romans first quarried nearly 2,000 years ago. In the most recent past, during the Second World War, a prisoner of war camp for German and Italian prisoners was located right next door. And after the war, a camp was erected there to house displaced people from across the UK and Europe at the end of the war. So as you can see, over the years, the area has seen a wide variety of people. My dad used to work for a local builder and timber merchants, and money was tight. As a way to earn extra money, he used to open up the yard in the morning and close it at night, while working as a wagon driver throughout the day. This suited my old man, as he got extra pay, and it suited the employer, as they had someone they could trust and didn't have to fork out for a security guard. The yard was located at the top of a hill and commanded looks over the surrounding area. The buildings my dad had to open up at the yard were not particularly old, probably built in the mid-1800s. The main office block was built in a H shape and had long corridors with numerous offices located off the corridors. The building was two levels, ground and first floor. When my dad first started to perform the extra duties, we had to have a phone line installed in the house. Up until this point, we didn't have one. As soon as the phone line went in, my dad started receiving calls in the middle of the night from the police saying the alarms had gone off in the work offices. So as part of his duties, my old man would have to drive up to the yard to meet the police to let them in to check out the building, make sure there were no break-ins or intruders roaming around. This was quite a regular occurrence, which used to piss the local police off quite a bit. More often than not, it was the same door that was found to be open which had triggered the alarm. The door was the door to the accounts office where all the employees' pay packets used to be stored. At the time, the workers used to receive their wages in a pay packet and not direct into the bank. This particular door was a big old English oak door, which was as heavy as fuck. I can still see it in my mind's eye. This door took some pushing to open, so for it to open by itself through the night puzzled the police and my dad. On one particular night, the alarms had gone off again and my dad had gone to meet the police. Again. 
and the police used to this place by now, rather than traipse around the offices to look for intruders, would just unleash the police dog and let it roam through the building. On one particular night, the police dog went off into the building by itself. Around five minutes later, my dad and the police could hear the dog going absolutely crackers. At this point, the police thought an intruder was in the building, so went running in. A couple of minutes later, my dad went in and found the police and the dog stood at the accounting office door. The dog was barking into an empty room. The dog was going nuts, but the police couldn't see what the dog was barking at. One of the policemen took hold of the dog's collar and tried to walk it into the room, but the dog was having none of it. The dog plainly wouldn't go into that room at all. The police officer went in by himself, saw there was no one there, came out, gave the dog a bit of a bollocking for not going in with him and left my dad to close the office door and re-alarm the building. A couple of weeks later, it was around Christmas time and it was the office party season. There was one of the office guys working on the first floor of the office. This particular office was above the main meeting room. It was common knowledge that all the staff working late had to be out of the office for half seven, so my dad could lock the buildings on the yard up. At about 7.25, my dad went up to see the man in the office and tell him it was time to leave. When my dad got there, he was having a chat with the man in the office, and the man asked if my dad had to work late because of the party that was going on in the office below. This puzzled my dad. He told the man that he and my dad were the only people in. There was no one else around. The man said, no, there's a party downstairs. I've been listening to them laughing and joking and I heard music. Again, my old man told him that there was no one else in the building. The man started to get a bit pissed off at my old man and insisted there was a party downstairs. At this point, my dad told the man to follow him downstairs to the meeting room. When he opened the door... It was pitch black inside. No one was in there and hadn't been for a few days. At this point, the man wasn't happy, got a bit freaked out and fucked off out of there sharpish. These were just a couple of the sounds that were heard. Another one was one of the cleaners who had been offered a job there by her late mother a few years before was cleaning one of the offices late one night and heard her mother singing a song that she used to sing to her as a kid. It took her a split second to remember that her mom had died a few years ago. This didn't freak her out, and it actually made her quite happy to think that her mum was around. Anyway, that was just a bit of background to the building. My mum and dad divorced when I was 11 in 1989, and my dad soon met another lady. It just turned out that I went to school with her son Mark, and he was in my class at school. Because we knew each other from school, we actually got on. Because of all the crazy shit that had been happening in that building, my dad used to ask myself and Mark if we would like to go in with him to help him lock up. This happened quite often, and we used to love going to the yard, as there were external buildings that housed some really old equipment that they used to use down in the mines and on the railways. For two young kids, it was great. We used to play in those old buildings in the yard and find old paraffin lamps, old military uniforms that had been left over from the prisoner of war camp that was housed next door, and loads of stuff that young lads would enjoy. One night in particular, it was about 7.15. It was dark and probably around January time. Myself, Mark and my cousin Paul were in the yard with my dad. We were outside the main building waiting for my dad who was still inside. We were chatting, and then we all went quiet. I don't know why, but we did. 
we then all turned around to look in the opposite direction. Again, even now when we speak about this, we don't know why we did it, but we did. All three of us saw a man about 15 metres away walking towards us. I can still see him as clear as day. He had ginger hair and was wearing a green and white checked shirt. He was in full colour, but really bright. The best way to explain it is on the old TV sets where you had a little knob that you turned for brightness. And if you turned it too much, it was still in colour, but overly bright. This man looked like that. He was walking towards us, and then he turned to his right and started walking towards the building. He was not walking towards the entrance. He was walking towards the wall. And then he went straight through the fucking wall. Now, myself, Mark and Paul were all 12-year-old boys who thought we were pretty brave, but I'll tell you what, that scared the shit out of me. My dad came out of the building when we told him what happened, and he thought that we were joking. After a few seconds, he realised that we weren't joking, and he put us in his Land Rover and took us home. After that, we didn't want to go to the yard with him anymore, so he used to go by himself. About two months later, my dad got home and he was as white as a sheet and shaking like a shitting dog. He sat me down and started asking about the ginger-haired man that we had seen. Turns out that on that particular night, my dad was locking up the building, and as he was walking away, he saw someone through the window inside the building. Thinking he had locked someone in, he went back, opened the door, walked through reception, and at that point, the man walked past him. My dad, who was now only a couple of feet from him, asked him if he's by himself. The man didn't stop walking, but turned and looked at my dad for a second, turned his head back and continued walking down the corridor. At this point, my old man, who's not known for having much patience, shouted at this bloke that the place is shut and he had to leave. The man just kept walking, so my dad started to follow him until he saw the man carry on walking to the end of the corridor and through the fucking wall. At this point, all the bravery my dad had leaves him, and he gets the fuck out of the building. My dad described the man he saw to me, and it turned out the description was the same. After that night, my dad stopped opening up and locking on a night, and just continued to be a wagon driver for the company. I've just mentioned a few of the stories from that building, and there are literally dozens of sightings. The buildings are now gone, and a new housing estate was built there in the early 2000s. The quarry was an old sandstone quarry, so I wonder if that had something to do with it. Over the years, I've had some crazy shit happen to me while I was in the army, but that night will live with me until my dying day. I can still see it as clear as day. I'd love to know if any people in the new housing estate have experienced anything. Oh my god, me too. That story was wild. And that building has so much history that it just doesn't surprise me that all those sounds would still be there, like the sounds people have in parties. I think it's lovely that the cleaner heard the sound of her mam singing. Like, lovely. But seeing that man, like three three friends sitting there at half seven of an afternoon, or of an evening rather, waiting for your dad to lock up. Like, And it wasn't like you were in unusual circumstances, it was something that you guys did quite regularly. And then to all turn and look and see this man, and it sounds like it wasn't a glimpse or a flash It sounds like you saw him, like you saw this man as though he were a real person walk through the wall. Oh, that is compelling stuff. I would love to go back there and find out if people in the housing estate had seen him. Because it sounds like he's just retracing steps. 
rather than being sort of actively sentient, you know? Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Adam, Livia, Blake and Gary for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from the 15th of November 2021. And if you would like to know anything about Real Life Ghost Stories, you can find out everything you need to know on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single episode ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time.